We will begin Nightwalkers and Mystery Mongers on page number 129. Carl Sagan begins by saying, The best antidote for pseudoscience, I firmly believe, is science. What he means is that in order to combat pseudoscience and proponents of uh, that particular field, it is better to uh, bring it out in the light of science. He goes, There is an African freshwater fish that is blind. See, this fish is not able to see. It generates a standing electric field through perturbations in which it distinguishes between predators and prey and communicates in a fairly elaborate electrical language with potential meats and other fish of the same species. Now, this is really, really ingenious because this creature, the small fish, is able to generate an electric field and using that uh, particular uh, vibration, it is able to distinguish between those that come around it. So it is able to identify which are friendly and which are its prey or which will come and prey upon it and which will act as a predator or attack it. So uh, it is also able to communicate using electrical language, okay, with uh, potential, uh, you know, uh, partners that it will mate with uh, in future. And it will also be able to identify fishes uh, that belong to the same species also. So this involves an entire organ system and sensory capability completely unknown to pre-technological human beings. Now, uh, this sort of discovery is a result of science. Now, with the advent of science and with the development of marine biology and studies regarding aqua farming and uh, aquatronics and so on, uh, things have become very easy to understand. So, um, uh, when we are studying this uh, African freshwater uh, fish that is blind, it is, uh, you know, kind of studying the entire organ system and how this fish has a, a kind of a capacity. Uh, but this particular capacity or its organ system was totally <clears throat> not known to, uh, you know, people who were, uh, you know, uh, living in the pre-technological period. Uh, so that is the ingenuity of this, of this finding of science. Then we'll move on. There is a kind of arithmetic perfectly reasonable and self-contained in which 2 times 1 does not equal 1 times 2. Now, if we attach values to this particular, uh, um, you know, ar arithmetic operation uh, by, uh, you know, substituting, say, a particular uh, variable, then uh, the calculation becomes different. For example, 2 times uh, some a particular object uh, into 1 will be a different value. Whereas uh, one times a particular thing uh, into two times will give you another uh, variable answer. So uh, all these are uh, intricacies which are discovered as a result of development of science and arithmetics. Now, in the next one, he says, Pigeons, one of the least prepossessing animals on the earth, are now found to have a remarkable sensitivity. Okay, so uh, two magnetic field strengths as small as one hundred thousandth of that of the Earth's magnetic dipole. So uh, see, uh, the pigeons have a homing device within it and it is also able to kind of uh, uh, track the magnetic field strength uh, and even if it is actually a very minute quantity, it is able to use this homing device to find direction. 
So pigeons evidently use the sensory capability for navigation. So in order to find out the route uh, to a particular um, you know, destination, it is able to navigate itself. And it is also able to sense their surroundings by their magnetic signatures. So if I want to send, uh, say, a courier or a mail, I can use a pigeon just like, uh, you know, in the earlier days, man used uh, pigeons. Now, how is a pigeon able to have this navigational capacity because of its sensory capability? Okay, so... Um, it is able to use metal gutters, electrical power lines, fire escapes and the like. So uh, a sensory modality glimpsed by no human being who ever lived. See, human beings, no matter how smart they are, do not have this capacity okay, to sense uh, the magnetic field which is around it. Okay, so much so that if we are using a mobile and if the mobile is actually generating a magnetic field, we are kind of, you know, culpable. We are not able to understand or uh, recognize uh, the strength of uh, the magnetic field, but a pigeon is able to do that. Now, next he goes on to describe quasars. Quasars seem to be explosions of almost unimaginable violence in the heart of galaxies which destroy millions of worlds, many of them perhaps uninhabited. Now, what is a quasar? It's like um, a kind of a quasi-stellar um, uh, radio source, okay, which uh, are consisting of, you know, various um, uh, very distant celestial objects, okay. Now, quasars uh, could resemble stars and um, the thing is, you know, they emit a very bright blue and ultraviolet light and radio waves. So, when it is exploding, what happens is, you know, it creates a lot of damage in the heart of galaxies. So, the resulting um, violent uh, explosion will kind of destroy millions of worlds, millions of solar systems in the heart of a galaxy. And uh, some of them could be as inhabited as uh, our planet. So, see, an explosion of a quasar, uh, which happens so very far away, could kind of, you know, change uh, the life uh, of uh, the creatures living on a certain planet or a planetary system. Then Carl Sagan goes on to uh, talk about volcanic ash, okay. In an East African volcanic ash flow, 3.5 million years old, there are footprints. Now, this is really, really uh, ingenious, okay. Now, the footprints of a being of about four feet high with a purposeful stride that may be the common ancestor of apes and men. So, if this footprint uh, happens to belong to, uh, you know, 3.5 million year old history, then uh, this particular footprint could be uh, that of a person who could be the ancestor of uh, maybe man as well as um, the monkeys, the apes. So nearby are prints of a knuckle-walking primate corresponding to no animal yet discovered. Knuckle-walking is actually uh, meaning, you know, I hope you know what a knuckle-walking is. That is when you're walking on all the fours. That is your, um, you know, the arms or the forelimbs are actually held out uh, totally and uh, the body is actually in a flex position and the body weight will be kind of, you know, pressed down on the ground using all the four. So, um, if such a knuckle-walking primate of that period um, is, uh, you know, seen uh, as an impression in the volcanic ash, then uh, we can be sure because no such animal 
is uh, correspondingly there in the present days. So this is an animal which may have gone extinct and which is yet to be discovered. Okay, let's move on. Each of our cells contain dozens of tiny factories called mitochondria which combine our food with molecular oxygen in order to extract energy in convenient form. Now, this is a basic of cell biology which you've learned in your, uh, you know, uh, smaller classes. So, uh, in every cell, we have trillions of cells in our body uh, and in every cell, there are dozens of small, small, uh, you know, organelles uh, and these organelles are like uh, tiny factories and these are called as mitochondria. So, what does a mitochondria do? Mitochondria will combine our food with, you know, the molecular available oxygen which reaches these cells. And as a result of the combination, what happens is, you know, energy is in form. Recent evidence suggests that billions of years ago, the mitochondria were free organisms which have slowly evolved into a mutually dependent relation with the cell. So these uh, mitochondria or cell organelles later got organized and became what is called the present day cell. When many celled organisms arose, the arrangement was retained. So it's like all these uh, small cells are aggregated and coming together and forming an organ. And uh, these organs are coming together and later functioning as an organism. So this particular arrangement was continued in the next generations. In a very real sense then, we are not a single organism, but an array of about 10 trillion beings and not all of the same kind. Now see, our human body has different organs and uh, the constituent uh, particles of uh, these organs are all different and uh, not, uh, uh, not one particular uh, organ uh, can be uh, said to be the prototype or anything. So within a body, there are so many cells and uh, not uh, all of them are of the same kind. So this is the beauty of uh, the human body. Now, Carl Sagan continues, Mars has a volcano almost 80,000 feet high, which was constructed about a billion years ago. An even larger volcano may exist on Venus. Now, these are, um, you know, Carl Sagan's speciality. He studies and finds out that there is a volcano which is actually very, very high. And uh, that particular volcano was, uh, you know, uh, formed uh, about a billion years ago. And he has also discovered that, you know, uh, on the planet Venus, there is an even larger volcano. Okay, and uh, regarding details of the study, the scientists and Carl Sagan were yet to discover when he wrote this. He continues, radio telescopes have detected the cosmic black body background radiation, the distant echo of the event called the Big Bang. The fires of creation are being observed today. Now, uh, this is actually a very beautiful concept. Uh, see, a black body is actually um, a kind of an ideal body or um, a surface which will completely absorb all the radiant energy which falls upon it and it will not be reflected also. Okay, and uh, let me explain Big Bang also. Big Bang is actually um, an explosion which gives rise to uh, the present day universe. And according to the Big Bang theory, uh, the universe had uh, originated millions of years ago. And it started from one single explosion of a single mass of material. Uh, and even now, the pieces are, uh, you know, flying apart. There is another theory, by the way, called single state theory. 
and uh, that particular theory says that uh, universe has always existed and it has always been expanding with you know hydrogen constantly being uh, generated or created so that is yet another concept so all these things you know uh, have been studied analyzed and with the technological advancement with the coming of radio telescopes we are further to discover what is going into the making of a black body and uh, the background radiation regarding that and uh, then uh, we can even try proving um, theories like the big bang theory and so on so uh, whatever is actually uh, the real reason of creation that is being observed by radio telescopes and uh, sensitive receivers now we come to the last uh, paragraph on page number 130 now carl sagan says i could continue such a list almost indefinitely he says he could go on i believe that even a smattering of such findings in modern science and mathematics is far more compelling and exciting than most of the doctrines of pseudoscience so do you know what he says he says you know uh, smattering means uh, you know when you talk without much depth about the subject okay uh, you just have a superficial kind of knowledge about uh, what you're talking so i believe that even a smattering of such findings in modern science and mathematics is much more interesting and uh, very very uh, exciting also because it is much more better than you know all the theories of pseudo science and uh, the supporters of pseudo science can bring and whose practitioners were condemned as early as 5th century bc so people who advocated or who were pro uh, proponents of uh, pseudo science they have been in force since the 5th century bc okay so um, he goes on describing whose practitioners were condemned as early as 5th century bc by the ionian philosopher heraclitus as night walkers magicians priests of bacchus priestesses of the wine vat mystery mongers now see this is how he defines now heraclitus um, is an eminent person who lived during the 6th and 5th century uh, and he was a, a greek philosopher okay so uh, he says that you know people who engage in such uh, pseudo science they can be called as night walkers magicians and priests of bacchus now priests of bacchus uh, means you know uh, people who are uh, you know having a tendency to uh, drunkenness and uh, merriment and uh, partying and so on okay so they are the priestesses of the wine vat so they are like you know um uh, people who are uh, kind of you know holding uh, the vessel to a wine vat or in other words uh, holding uh, the uh, capacity to confuse people because that is what wine or uh, liquor is supposed to do it inebriates a person and makes him lose uh, you know a reasonable logic and so on uh, so let's continue but science is more intricate and subtle so uh, science is actually very very uh, you know uh, complex and uh, high also in information and it reveals a much richer universe and powerfully evokes our sense of wonder so um when science explains science is actually kind of opening our minds to uh, a larger uh, entity uh, a more uh, wonderful universe and it is always kind of you know uh, generating a sense of wonder Mm, a fascination for uh, nature in us and we come to the last uh, sentence and it has the additional and important virtue to whatever extent the word has any meaning of being true
Now see such a beautiful ending which Carl Sagan gives us. Carl Sagan says that you know people who uh, you know are uh, indulging in science and scientific experiments, they have this uh, particular additional and important virtue or quality and uh, this quality maybe to whatever extent the word uh, you know could uh, give or assign uh, to uh, the concept of virtue because uh, the most important virtue of science is that science is having a kind of uh, a state of being true because in order to be scientific uh, it has to be proved and once it is proved it becomes you know uh, part of science so with that we come to the end of this wonderful essay thank you so much for your uh, patient listening i hope you've understood the lesson do study well for your exams and that's it from me now take care